Welcome to the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. It's Indiana. Watford for the win! Yes! Yes! Unbelievable! Your daily home for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Welcome to Indiana basketball. Smart takes the shot! And the Hoosiers with three seconds. Go ahead. Indiana wins the championship. Keith Smart is the hero. When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my Now here's your host, Matt Dennison. It's Indiana, what I feel is the pinnacle, the absolute pinnacle of all of college basketball. Hello and welcome in. Wednesday edition of the program. All the details for Hoosier Hysteria were announced yesterday afternoon. We'll go through those coming up here in just a moment. And Josh Rogers, local product right here in southern Indiana, with a major league pitching victory last night. He went 7.2 innings. That's a career high for him and had a really solid outing as the Washington Nationals defeated the Miami Marlins. Bringing a lot of pride back to Southern Indiana is Josh Rogers. And we're going to start the program right now with our very first guest. Joining us from Washington is the Nationals beat writer, Jesse Dougherty, who covered the game last night and follows this Washington Nationals team very closely. Jesse, lots of people here in our area just proud as can be for Josh Rogers making the most of this Major League Baseball opportunity. He seems to be fitting in very nicely with the team so far in his opportunities. Yeah, I mean, rightfully, rightfully proud. I think Josh has been a bright spot for this team in September. As, as a lot of people know, they they traded a bunch of players away, created some opportunities for some younger guys or some guys like Josh who are coming off major surgeries or injuries, and uh, he's just taken he's taken it and ran with it. You know, he's uh, came up for a doubleheader early in the month, was kind of supposed to just go right back down, but pitched well enough to to stick in the rotation, and now is on every five day schedule and. Uh, it's, it's really fun to watch. You know the energy he brings, the way he pitches. It's a, uh, it's different, and I think it's 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 a, it's a breath of fresh air, really, for a team that's had a really tough stretch, uh, stretch this second half. You know, Josh with the Orioles organization a year or so ago was released back in the off season, picked up shortly after that by the Nationals, and was sent to Rochester. How, how rare is it? You cover this stuff on a regular basis, and especially this time of year, a team basically out of the playoff contention. There are a lot of moves and experiments made for next year, but how rare is it to see a guy make it to the major leagues with one organization, uh, then be released and work his way back through? On top of that, he had Tommy John surgery for a second time in his career as well. I think that in it, uh, in itself is just a very interesting storyline. Yeah, definitely, because I think in any organization, like the guys who g- generally get the preferential treatment, the guys who get the first chance are ones you've already invested in, and that's whether it's you know with draft picks or whether it's in trades and someone like Josh, you know, he came at a really low, low, you know, major league minimum salary or minor league minimum salary. And, uh, you know, hangs on after a second Tommy John. And really, I mean, you could see him as sort of a space filler in Rochester with the triple A team. You know, you you need, you need guys to throw every fifth, every fifth day. And a lot of those players down there are sort of just uh, on the roster to help the sort of bigger name prospects, uh, you know, come through the system. And so to see a guy like Josh, you know, use the opportunity and, and not just be a space filler, not just be a, be someone who's helping sort of fill out the roster uh, I think that's, that's, a, that's a huge deal, and it is really rare. And you, you'll see guys like him, since they're a bit older, get one-off chances, maybe like, again, like a doubleheader or 
um, or you know the team needs a spot starter if there were some off, some off days or wacky stuff. But uh, to, to stay and to then join the rotation, I mean, it's again, this is not the Nationals rotation they expect to have. There's a lot of injuries, a lot of guys traded away, but but nonetheless, like he he definitely leapfrogged some players who've been here for a while, some other minor leaguers, and and really earned earned this. I mean, more than anybody, or more than most cases, you can say he earned it. Jesse Doherty of the Washington Post joining us. We're talking about Josh Rogers getting a big major league victory last night for the Nationals over the Marlins. Uh, Jesse, I've got to ask, can you give us any insight on uh, Josh's uh, uh, dancing or movements or whatever that is on the mound when he was pitching at New Albany High School, when he went across the river and played at the University of Louisville? I went and saw him play a number of times in minor league baseball over the years. I don't ever recall any sort of movement like that. What is all that about? Have you guys asked him or his coaches about that? Yeah. Yeah, I I think that, you know, he's he tried something new this year in Rochester. So you're you're correct in that you hadn't seen it before where he does this sort of rocking movement before each pitch and he he really describes it as a rhythm thing and and I and even ask him about like, you know, is it help you or what's its reason? He kind of laughs it off and says he thinks everyone's sort of making a big deal of it just because it is so noticeable. Whereas, you know, once he gets to, you know, stepping off the rubber and, um, and, and easing into his delivery, it's, it's the same pitching, you know, mechanic. It's not much different. It's just the stuff that leads up to it. And I think it's just him. He's a Nancy guy. He, he, you know, you see him running around the field pregame or in the dugout doing a bunch of handshakes and hugs and high-fiving everyone. And um, I, I think it just really matches his personality, frankly, where uh, he's, he likes to sort of get that movement and that rhythm pre-pitch rather than standing still. He, he said to me that, Back in you know the spring when he was pitching in Rochester, he's like, I just didn't like being still before I went into my windup. It wasn't good for me. So now he does this rocking thing that I think everyone really notices right away because frankly, it's hard not to, right? And uh, it's it's really worked for him. Jesse, I know you guys in interviews and other opportunities probably getting to know Josh a little bit in his time at Washington, and those of us here at home that know him and his family well. We know the big personality personality that he has, the big smile that he has. But I have to say last night uh, I lost it, cracking up uh, when he did the little shimmy off of the mound. I guess a Euro step for those thinking basketball terms is maybe how you could describe it. I didn't realize when I saw it live watching on the MLB uh, package that he was mimicking the batter from the night before. I didn't watch the Nationals game when Chisholm uh, hit the yeah. home run and did the little Euro step as he crossed home plate. But uh, that, I think, underscores to all his personality and the jokester that he is. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, it was good-hearted and it wasn't malicious toward Jazz Chisholm, but basically the backstory is that Jazz Chisholm does this sort of Euro step-like celebration after homers, and the night before he took one really deep off Eric Fetty, who's another national starter, and Josh – told Eric, like, if I, if I get a chance to strike him out tomorrow, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it back, and it'd be funny if I could do that for you and kind of, you know, jab him. And uh, and he did. It was cool. You know, it was like he struck him out and just kind of, like, yours at his way off the mound. And Dave Martinez even told us that he believed that the Marlins were watching it on the iPad in the dugout where the teams can do video, and they were laughing. So it wasn't, you know, you know Josh's personality. It wasn't really done sort of in any malicious way, but uh, it was a really fun thing to watch. And I think baseball needs more of that. Like, it's, it's fun to see those guys competing that way, and uh, it, was, it was certainly, you know, a highlight of last night. Yeah, no question about it. Talking with Jesse Doherty, he's with the Washington Post, covers the Nationals, and uh, we're chatting about Josh Rogers getting a major league victory last night. 7.2 innings for Josh last night. Gave up five hits, had one error, uh, walked two, and struck out four. A pretty solid line for a guy coming off Tommy John surgery, especially I thought the distance he was able to go and still have control and still have speed. 
Yeah. I mean, I think he, you know, he's not going to blow anybody away. He says that all the time. He's going to fill up the zone. And I think he can use his off-speed pitches. And uh, there's a lot of, you know, mixing and matching and, and a lot of strategy involved because he doesn't have that 96, 97-mile-per-hour fastball. So um, I think, you know, without that, you need to be creative. And I think he is creative, and I think he's a, a smart pitcher. And, you know, we'll see as he starts to see batters more uh, up here, how they adjust, and how he adjusts because um, – it certainly helps you have that high-power fastball to get you through some tough innings, but um, I think he can live without it, and, uh, and we're going to see soon, right? Because, um, you know, I think even next spring and next season, if he can get a shot in the rotation, he'll start to, you know, see batters more, and they'll get familiar with him, and there'll be more scouting reports on him, and, and that's when you kind of find out what a guy really is because he has to make those counter-adjustments. So um, I think he's a really interesting pitcher. He's not traditional by any stretch, especially for, you know, this day and age when, when Velo sort of the king. So um, it, is, it is fun to watch him pitch and, get, and see how he sort of gets through lineups. Yeah, no question about it. Jesse, thinking ahead to uh, Josh Rogers' future, maybe with the Nationals organization, um, I know there's still some baseball to be played this season. I think he's expected maybe to get a chance to start at Cincinnati, and I want to talk to you about that here in just a moment. But what are his chances as you look at him, evaluate him as a pitching prospect now that's had some major league starts uh, with the Orioles and now with the Nationals to, to have an opportunity to be on a spring training roster for the Nationals when things reconvene next season? Yeah, I mean, I think he certainly earned a shot in spring with them, and depending on what they do this offseason, there also could be chances in the rotation early on. I'm not I'm not pop- the Nationals aren't sort of in like this compete now mode that they usually are, where you know they'd be filling every hole and spending a lot of money. I think this next year's team will will be fairly similar to this year's team, and that'll be a lot of young guys um, cutting their teeth and and trying to make the most of chances. So uh, if that's the case, if that's what they continue with, I think a guy like Josh makes a ton of sense. You know, right now the rotation is Josiah Gray, Patrick Corbin, Eric Fetty, Josh Rogers, and Paolo Espino. Um, I don't imagine Paolo Espino will be back in the rotation. He might be like more of a long man reliever if he is back with the Nationals. So um, you, you figure that's probably two spots then. And Steven Strasburg coming back from injury is a question mark. That kind of chisels it down to one spot. There's Joe Ross. So um, there's not a ton of room right now, but it, does, it just depends on who they want to see. And it's, I think, spring training for sure. And then looking into the regular season, like there's a lot of times when you know, if there's not opportunities for a guy to pitch every five days in the majors, even if they would like there to, they'd rather keep him in the minors and keep him in the major league bullpen because they want to see him start every day, every five days. Um, so, you know, that's looking way far ahead, but that, that's a possibility too, just because if they are interested in having you for the future, or they like your stuff or they want to develop you, um, they're not just going to sit you down in the bullpen and have you pitch, you know, once a week. They, they'll want to have you stay on that it's a regular schedule. So um, I think he'll be a swingman going into the next year, whether it's in AAA or uh, the majors, but he's, he's certainly on the opportunity to get a look. The Washington Post, Jesse Doherty, my guest, talking Josh Rogers and his victory last night. Now, New Albany, Indiana, and we're in Jeffersonville right next door, but New Albany about, I don't know, an hour and 45 minutes or so from Cincinnati from the Red Stadium. And there's all sorts of buzz that based on the rotation for the Nationals, Josh may get an opportunity to start. I believe it's the Sunday game in Cincinnati. Can you look ahead? Do you know things enough to be able to say, is it likely Josh does get a chance to pitch uh, pretty close to his hometown this weekend? Yeah, he he would be on track for Sunday. I mean, you count out every five days. So he pitched last night, um, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday off, or his four off days, and then his fifth day is Sunday. So if the the Nationals stay on their rotation, um, you know, that that should be how it goes.
Absolutely, Jesse. Thank you so much uh, for your time. I know a lot of people here in the area have followed you and your coverage of Josh, your stories, your tweets. And uh, depending on uh, his future opportunities, we may call on you again for a chat on Josh and the Nationals. Lots of national fans here late this season from Southern Indiana, that's for sure. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. All right, Jesse Dougherty, kind enough on a whim to join us today uh, after a big victory last night for Josh Rogers and the Nationals. We will head to a commercial break. We'll come back with Dustin Dopirak of the Bloomington Herald-Times. We'll talk IU basketball. The details for Hoosier Hysteria are now set. Uh, we knew the date. We now know the time and everything else. We'll go through that with Dustin. Talk a little more IU Western Kentucky football as well. Stay with us. This is a Wednesday edition of the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. I'll handle this the way I want to handle it now that I'm here. You it up to begin with. Now just sit there or leave. I don't give a what you do. Now, back to the game. Here's Matt Dennison. We're back here on this Wednesday program. Lots of IU football discussion this time of year, so we'll start today with basketball. Dustin Dopirak of the Bloomington Herald-Times joins the program now. And Dustin, the big news yesterday afternoon was that IU officially gave some details, including the start time of Hoosier Hysteria, which is coming up on Saturday, October 2nd. And uh, no real details on will we see a scrimmage and some of the specifics that are going to happen. But nonetheless, for the first time in 18 or so months, IU fans will be able to be in Assembly Hall to watch IU play some hoops. Yeah, no, this big step for everybody. I mean, just to be able to see this and, and to be able to, you know, and, and it's still an indoor um, indoor event, and I think everybody's been asked to, to wear masks in Assembly Hall uh, as opposed to Memorial Stadium where it's outdoors and there's obviously greater ventilation in that case. So obviously everybody's still got to take some precautions. Um, but still, it's I, I big for everybody. Every time that there's an event that you didn't get to see last year, uh, it's it's nice news. It, it is, it's feeling like we're, we're getting closer to normal. Obviously, there's still a lot going on out there. Um, but, uh, but yeah, just, just good to see that with this you know, new head coach and new program and everything like that. Um, people are actually going to get to see what, what this looks like up close, get to be there, get to be around these guys, uh, you know, just get to see how they operate together. Um, I imagine it'll there'll be dunk contests and three-point shooting and all that sort of just, you know, fun stuff that you have and, and, and still get uh, get done in time to watch the football game as well. So it makes for, uh, you know, for a nice evening for whoever gets to go out there. Yeah, that definitely is an important note. IU announced the event will take about 90 minutes and we'll be over in time for fans to watch, of course, the big IU at Penn State game. We'll get into IU football here in a moment, but that's going to be a pretty eventful day for Hoosier fans. No, absolutely. Long day, an important football game, and, and, and this is important too. I mean, it's a uh, 
you know, it's obviously a practice and there's not like, you know, they're, they're not winning anything on Saturday. Um, but, you know, I think fans want to see what this is going to look like. They want to see what it's going to be. Um, they they want to be able to embrace Mike Woodson in person, I think, just, you know, in terms of what that means, cheering him on and, and everything, um, you know, sort of welcoming him back, um, you know, as a former player into this position. And, and so it's really an opportunity, I think, uh, more than they've had to get to do that. I mean, he didn't even get to do the, you know, sort of traditional, um, you know, banquet circuit that you have in the summer, uh, you know, where you have, you know, going down to um, Starlight, you know, to the winery and everything like that, the Huber's, Huber Farms and stuff like that, that that's usually part of uh, just the summer and the spring and everything. And that's part of the uh, part of the deal for a new coach as well. Um, you know, uh, fans haven't had a chance to do that. Donors, everything like that, hasn't had a, haven't had a chance to really be around him. Um, so that's, I think, a big. This is a big moment, I think, for him to be able to uh, see some of that be embraced by the fans and allow the fans to embrace him. Dustin Dopierak, Bloomington Herald Times, my guest. You know, I, I guess you could make an argument, or you could figure out a way to say this and have some confidence in it every year when we get to this point of the off season, when the season is close but not quite here. Uh, I know it's Hoosier hysteria. I know that we don't expect to learn a ton from it if there is a scrimmage. Uh, you maybe get some things from that. But given so many newcomers to this IU program, and obviously with a new coaching staff, uh, any little opportunity to see the players, whether it's just pure shooting or whether it's a three-point contest, which I think we always see at Hoosier Hysteria, I think fans are so hungry to learn more about Mike Woodson and so hungry for IU basketball, uh, given how well the offseason in year one has went for Coach Woodson and staff, that I think we'll see a great turnout for this event. And again, not sure really what we learn, but I think people just want to know as much as they possibly can about this team this season. No, absolutely. I mean, I think it's just a case of you're going to get to see these guys, you know, running around in Indiana uniforms. And unless you went to the Bahamas in the summer, you haven't seen that for a lot of these guys, for Xavier Johnson, for Miller Cop, for Parker Stewart, who's obviously been around but uh, but hasn't really, um, you know, hasn't played yet in, in an Indiana uniform, really. So all of those uh, – and, and, God, there's more. I mean, who am I forgetting? Michael Durr. Um, there's another transfer. To, I mean, there's also Tamar Bates. I mean, basically, I think everybody just wants to see what these guys look like. I know I do. Uh, I'm going to be in Happy Valley, so I'm not going to see it. But um, I'm sure that everybody is sort of looking at this and saying, what does this look like? And also, what does this look like from a team perspective? How do these guys, you know, what does this four out one in look like for this group? Everybody knows what it is. Sorry. Sorry. Everybody knows what it looks like generally. Um, but nobody knows what it looks like specifically. You know, what, what does it look like with these guys, you know, playing, uh, playing in outside positions? What is, how does Race Thompson play now? You know, what does that look like? Everybody wants to see sort of, like, you know, what's Race Thompson's role change into? I mean, he's obviously, uh, he's the four in the four out one in. So what does that look like? Um, I, I think a lot of people have questions about that. I know I do. I want to see what that looks like. Is he going to be able to play on the outside, be able to play on the perimeter? And so bottom line, I think there's a lot of things people want to learn about how this team is going to operate uh, under this system. Um, which is very, very different from when they had what they had a year ago. So there's a lot of questions people have, and not all of them they're going to be answered, but at least some of them will, I think. And uh, you know that in itself is worth you know coming out to Assembly Hall on Saturday. Yeah, no question about it. Dustin Dopierak, my guest. Dustin, one other note note about Hoosier hysteria: it always is a huge recruiting opportunity. The fans turn out. The facilities obviously have a lot of tradition and history, and it's a chance. I've always thought whether it was Coach Crean or Coach Miller and 
now, Coach Woodson, uh, to really invite a lot of different prospects, uh, even those that are maybe younger and newer uh, as far as the IU recruiting process goes. So we don't know all the specifics just yet. There may be some players that have said they'll be there, I believe, at this point. But I fully expect Coach Woodson to do what Miller, what Crean, what others have done, and that's have a pretty nice recruiting contingent for that day. No, sure, absolutely. I mean, that's that's a key piece to the whole thing. That's the most important thing functionally for the program uh, is to be able to have as many guys um, in the building as possible to be able to see it. And it's, you know, it's it's really important. It's a it's a critical thing because that is you know sort of the first opportunity of the off season to actually get to see what you know what assembly hall looks like to to see what it looks like when there are fans there. Um, and it's some you know you also get to they obviously get brought in for games during the year, but, you know, in this case, there's more opportunity for them to spend with the guys. There's more opportunity for them to spend with the coaches. Uh, it's one of the more valuable sort of recruiting uh, possibilities that they have. Um, so they're going to bring in as many as they can. And it, and it also certainly works for, you know, people that are close by when they're recruiting the state, that's when you really tend to see uh, a lot of, um, a lot of in-state kids and, and be able to do it early. I mean, like, you know, I remember guys like Yogi Farrell were there when they were, you know, freshmen and sophomores. So it's, it's definitely an opportunity there, especially to connect with the guys in state, um, you know, helps for the out-of-state kids as well, but really, really helps is one of those events that really helps them cement, uh, you know, who they are in state. Dustin Dopirak, Bloomington Herald Times. My guess, one other note, uh, mask required for Hoosier hysteria, as you stated. I wonder if that's a preview of what things this winter will look like where there is really no attendance requirement for Assembly Hall as far as limitations, but face coverings required for basketball games. You would think if that's what's happening for Hoosier Hysteria here a week from now, that just over a month from then would be the same policy for regular season games. Yeah, no, I'm absolutely expecting that. Just seeing that you're still having community spreads, you're still having, um, you know, this thing hasn't gone away entirely. Um, And so we're not at the point where this thing is over yet. Um, And obviously we've seen that it spreads more quickly and and it spreads a lot more in, in inside than it does outside. Um, so obviously we're trying to, uh, people are obviously trying to take steps, you know, schools programs are trying to take steps of allowing fans to be there. Uh, but it seems like the only way to be safe in an indoor facility for that long is, is to mask. And, and certainly, you know, that, that doesn't make everything perfect. It's not a situation where if you're standing right next to somebody for two hours, if they, I mean, if, if they have it, whether you have a mask or not, you're probably going to get it. Um, but, uh, on the flip side of that, if you're, um, you know, it, it, it protects you from people that are a little bit further away who might have it. It just sort of improves your odds uh, of getting out of there. And I'm sure that people that, uh, you know, just considering what all we've been through, considering how many people we've lost as is, you know, you don't want to turn every basketball game into a, a spreader event. Um, so you do whatever you can to sort of minimize that to the degree to which you can, it's not going to be perfect. Um, but it's something, but I so I, I do presume that uh, that in in indoor games, um, er, everything that occurs indoors when it comes to sports is going to be masked until uh, you know uh, for the foreseeable future. Yeah, absolutely, Dustin. We've got to get some football in today. Yesterday, kind of talking IU football with Rick Bozich and, and talking about Western Kentucky specifically. Uh, this this is in many ways a trap game for Indiana on the road against a. Western Kentucky team that is very efficient. Uh, even if Indiana was coming into this contest with a win over Cincinnati and had a 2-1 and one record, I still 
would think that this is a concerning game of just the location and who WKU is as a program. I expect a challenge here, and I know Indiana's been favored by maybe over a touchdown, maybe nine, ten points, I think, when I looked last at the line. But th- this could be uh, potentially a close game for the Hoosiers. No, it could be. I, I do think it's more dangerous. It, it would have been more dangerous, I think, if, as a it, as a trap if they had won. Um, the one issue, the, the, the difference there, the reason I don't think you look at it that way is because, you know, they're coming off a loss. I mean, these guys do not feel like this is a game they can look past. You know, I mean, they need, they need to win something. You know, that that's sort of, I think, more where, where they're at at this point is that they've taken some big losses. Um, you know, I, I, they obviously can, can look at this as a, as a get-right game the way that Idaho was, but in the same way, I think they know that, hey, the way we're playing right now, if, if you turn the ball over, you can get beat by anybody. Um, so, you know, I, I think there's an awareness there. I don't think that um, they're, they're not going to be shocked. They, they know what they're seeing on film. Um, it, it, that, I don't think they're going to be surprised, but I mean, I think it's, you know, the, the way they're playing right now, Western, Western Kentucky can beat them. Indiana just has to go back to being, you know, close to at least the Indiana they were a year ago um, for to even be talking about it that way. So, um, you know, it, it, it is less of a trap. It definitely looked like a trap on the schedule, uh, but the losses and the way they've taken the losses in the first two, I, I, I don't think they're going to be surprised. Uh, by Western Kentucky being an issue for them, I think there's uh, there's other issues they got to deal with. They just got to get right. Yeah, no question. You know, this the the I think the the scary part is even a win at Western Kentucky in a tight ball game, if it is a tight ball game, doesn't do a lot to appease the fans. Obviously, number one, you got to get the victory and move on to Penn State, which is a whole other challenge uh, in its own. I guess, Dustin, the scary thing about this Western Kentucky game is this is a hilltopper team that if they challenge Indiana, even if Indiana gets the win and it's a narrow victory on the road, it doesn't really give fans confidence heading into such a tough stretch of the schedule ahead with Penn State on the road the very next game. Yeah, no, it doesn't. But in the same way, I think they just need wins. <laughs> it's it's one of those where they, they just need to get victories. Nothing nothing's going to happen down there is going to make anyone feel uh, like you know great going into happy, happy Valley as far as the fan base is concerned. I mean, they're they're obviously disappointed, concerned, and angry at, at this point. Um, but it, it's one of those things where just anything that's a victory is, is gets them in, in the right direction. But there's not a uh, a point figure or a point total, a, a margin of victory that gets you to the point that you feel good about you know going into Happy Valley the way Penn State's playing, especially coming off that big win over Auburn. They've got that win over Wisconsin. Uh, Indiana is going to be underdogs on the road, that's for sure, and they're going to have to show something in that game that they have not shown yet, um, and they're not going to be able to prove that they're going to do it against Western Kentucky. But uh, the bottom line is they've just got to get uh, just get right, you know, get together and, and, and show something that, uh, you know, show, show some kinds of sign of life after that game. That's really the most important piece. That's Dustin Dopirak, the Bloomington Herald Times. Dustin, you've got to get to an IU football media availability. We will catch up with you mm-hmm. next week and appreciate your insight on hoops and football today. All right. Thanks so much for having me. All right. As we get ready and head to a commercial break, Andy Katz of the NCAA, he runs or does a lot of content for NCAA March Madness accounts. His top five returning players in college hoops this season, number five on his list, Trace Jackson Davis of Indiana, Hunter Dickinson of Michigan, uh, just in front of Trace Jackson Davis at number four. Number three, also a Big Ten player, Kofi Coburn of Illinois, then Gonzaga and UCLA with players in the number two and number one spots. So lots of love for TJD and the Big Ten, according to Andy Katz 
and his top five returning players to the College Hoops game for this season. We'll head to a quick commercial break. We'll come back and chat local sports headed into week six of high school football. Josh Cook, sports editor of the News and Tribune, will be my guest. That segment presented by Major League Shirt Company. We'll talk uh, more Josh Rogers as well. Big opportunity, a big Major League Baseball victory uh, win for him last night over the Miami Marlins. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Let's win this and for all the small schools who never had a chance to get here. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Let's win for Coach. You got us here. Here's Matt Dennison. Back with you here on this Wednesday edition of the program. Josh Cook, sports editor of the News and Tribune, is my guest. This segment each week is presented by Major League Shirt Company, home of the $4 T-shirt. They offer custom apparel to meet all of your needs, including T-shirts, uniforms, corporate wear, and promotional items. Let Major League Shirt Company outfit your team or organization today. Visit mlshirtco.com to find out more. Josh, lots of discussion so far today about Josh Rogers and his big Major League Baseball victory last night. You put that with Rondale Moore's performance on Sunday for the Arizona Cardinals of the NFL. Of course, Romeo Langford in Boston. I know we talk about this a lot, but so proud of this area. And even Drew Ellis, who was sent back to AAA baseball in Reno, he is on a real tear since being sent back down, and you wonder if he won't be called back to the Diamondbacks soon. This area performing very, very well right now at the professional level. Yeah, how about it? I mean, that's, that's just great. Clark and Floyd counties are just outstanding right now. It's, yeah, Drew Ellis is, like you said, tearing the cover off the ball since he's been back down in Reno. And then Ron Tell with that 77-yard touchdown catch the, uh, on Sunday. And Josh with just an unbelievable outing last night. Uh, it's a great time for uh, Southern Indiana athletes, that's for sure. Josh, I guess the best situation for Josh Rogers would be if he can get a handful of additional starts, and it sounds like he may get another in Cincinnati on Sunday, and earn a spot on the spring training rosters for the Nationals. That would be the next step. And you might know the particulars. I believe a spring training roster is a 40-man roster, and a Major League Baseball roster is normally 25 persons or 25 men. Uh, so if he can get to that 40 and give himself an opportunity at spring training this offseason, and uh, who knows what could happen on, on making the actual roster for next season. So this close for the Nationals, even though they're not in any sort of playoff contention, is really big for Josh and other prospects as well uh, on their team and others in Major League Baseball that are getting some late-season opportunities. Yeah, just I mean, just an absolute great, great way to to uh, to close out the season here. And yeah, he's 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 really setting himself up for for a chance to have a roster spot next year, and, and you know maybe even be in that rotation. Because, geez, I mean the, the way he's pitching right now, I mean it's it's just unbelievable that you wouldn't even know it. He's had uh, two Tommy John surgeries now, and he's he's just uh, coming off his best outing as a pro last night, which was just incredible. Yeah, absolutely. And how about Rondell Moore? We mentioned this Monday I did here on the show. I know you've written about it as well, but 
he had a tremendous uh, day on Sunday for the Cardinals, uh, getting lots of praise even since the game as as a prospect in that organization for the future. Yeah, and he's a big uh, he's a big fantasy pickup too. <laughs> a lot of <laughs> a lot of fantasy football people are picking him up too because he's uh, you know, I think he's got the you know most receiving yards for Arizona right now. He's just been uh, yeah a seventy seven yard touchdown catch will definitely help that. But he's uh, he's having a great great uh, great time so far, and uh, man, just 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 big things expected of him. But yeah, I mean that team he's on is just. You know, incredibly loaded with uh, with talent, and especially a wide receiver too. And then you got Kyler Murray. Uh, you know, he just escaped uh, escaped the stack, and then Rondell was wide open, so he just threw the ball down to him, and it was a huge touchdown. So, you know, it's just outstanding, uh, outstanding for Rondell. Josh Cook, sports editor of the News and Tribune, is my guest. Josh, week six of high school football set for Friday night. And I, I tell you what, I walked outside this morning. Obviously, it's been raining. It's expected to rain the next few days, and the weather has dropped a bit. And I immediately looked ahead to the forecast for Friday night to see, is this going to be the first week where it somewhat feels like real football weather? And I'm not sure exactly what it's going to be like on Friday night as far as rain goes, but it definitely will have a little bit of a, a football feel uh, in the weather on Friday, big games as well. Scottsburg at Charlestown is a very interesting Mid-Southern game. New Albany, after the big win over Columbus East, and kind of they've taken control in a way of the Hoosier Hills Conference. Uh, they get Bloomington North at home. Bloomington North four and one, ranked number ten, I believe, in five A football. So a real challenge for New Albany coming off the big victory. Some interesting games for Week Six. Yeah, I was. Uh... I was think it's football season. The first time I have to wear uh, long pants to a football game, so I don't, <laughs> I don't think we're quite there yet. But uh, maybe this Friday night. I don't know. But uh, yeah, it, it's it's a big week. Um, you know, as you mentioned, all those games are big. And then, um, you know, I guess the the biggest game is probably uh, Jeff and Silver Creek. Obviously, you know, and hopefully one that uh, a, a new rivalry that uh, becomes one, and you know, a game that hopefully continues for years to come. Um, you know, obviously I, I think I'm most intrigued by that matchup just to see how those, how those two teams play up against each other. Um, you know, Jeff has lost a, a three straight games here. So they're looking to try to get back on track while Silver Creek coming off a big win at, uh, at the previous one beating Scottsburg. So they're, they're just trying to keep things rolling. But, uh, uh, you know, that that's one I'm really intrigued about, uh, as well as all those other games, too. Scottsburg, uh, a football program really on the rise, still a new program, 4-1 and one this season. And they play at Charlestown, three, state, th- excuse me, three straight victories for the Pirates after they lost their first two games of the season to Silver Creek and Brownstown. So the Pirates looking to continue some momentum here at the midseason mark and they'll have to do so at home against a very solid and surprising Scottsburg club. Yeah, you may not see Charlestown lose another game the rest of the regular season. I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see. But, uh, uh, you know, they, uh, you know, as you mentioned, they had those two tough games to start, and, and Silver Creek lost the one game, and Brownstown's undefeated, and then I think ranked in, in 3A. So, you know, uh, those weren't two, those weren't bad losses. And then, um, you know, Charlestown just keeps on, it seems like improving. You know, they got a sophomore quarterback, Clay McClone, and then they've got, you know, obviously Keontae Goodwin's uh, blocking for him, so that's always helpful. But, uh, you know, their offense keeps improving and, and their defense does too. I think, you know, Charlestown could really build up some momentum here going into the going into the uh, end of the regular season and maybe into the postseason as well. 
Josh, as we sit here ready for week six of high school football, uh, top team or your prediction for a local that has the best opportunity to have success in the postseason? And I know that's a loaded question, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm I'm still I'm still riding with New Albany. I still like uh, I still like Steve Cooley's team. You know, they've got they've got tons of talent, offense, and uh, you know, defense coming along, and so. I would still consider them uh, to be the favorite to win um, the sectional. Um, probably have the best chance of any of our local teams of winning the sectional, as far as that goes. Um, so I, w- I would still say that you know after the the first two really tough games they played, and then you know they've got another tough one this this Friday night. So, um, but I I think they're the, still the best team around and the best team to watch out for uh, in the postseason as well. Josh, you touched on this earlier, but Jeffersonville and Silver Creek will play in football for the first time on Friday night. The Red Devils one and three, and Silver Creek with a three and one record. Silver Creek, I think, is the big favorite in that game, but I am hopeful, and you said this, that this over recent years, upcoming years, will be a competitive and very good series because, due to the location of the schools, it has the opportunity, I think, to become an important rivalry game. And we've lost some rivalry games in recent years with Providence uh, dropping New Albany and then Floyd Central and Jeffersonville. Uh, this is this is a welcomed addition because high school football is great. Conference games are wonderful. Uh, when you take on a big-time opponent or bring somebody different in town, that's nice. But there's just something special about a Friday night rivalry on the football field in the fall. And I've got big hopes that whether it's a close game, nip and tuck this year or not, that years from now, two, three, four seasons, this can become a really important game on each team's schedule that uh, brings forth an opportunity for a big pride battle between Sellersburg and Jeffersonville. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a big uh, it's a big rivalry in basketball, you know, the last few years. So hopefully this can become a big rivalry in football as well. It's uh you know, proximity it makes it makes it very intriguing, and you know, I, I think it, it definitely has the potential to be a good series. And then, you know, maybe down the road we can get uh, uh, Chad Gilbert to to make uh, put Jeff and Charlestown up against each other. I don't know. We'll see. But uh, you know, some other maybe we can come up with some other intriguing area matchups as well. Yeah, no question. Josh Cook, sports editor of the News and Tribune. I guess Josh, basketball season is off to a, a slow start. Fall practices two times a week. Teams are allowed to get together. So obviously we're all excited about high school hoops once again in this area. We've briefly talked about it a bit, teased it a bit here on the program. I've been thinking about it a little bit more as we work on preseason coverage and think about some of the big games that are ahead and as I do, Jeffersonville with their really three-headed monster, lots of talent there with Will Lovings Watts, Brandon Razor Moore, Kobe Studemeyer, they stand out at the top of the pack. But as I go through the other locals in Clark and Floyd County, I think we're in for a good year with a number of teams that could challenge in their respective conference or sectional in the postseason. Yeah, I agree. I think we've definitely got some some um, some teams that could make a run at sectional titles. Uh, you know, it seems like. Every year we've got uh, at least one team in every class that that can do that, and you know you look at it again, and, and you know I think that'll be the case. I mean, obviously, um, you know uh, you mentioned Jeff and, and Floyd Central, New Albany. Um, you know, in four A, I, I definitely I think Jeff is is, uh, is the favorite in that sectional. Um, but then you know you go down three A, and you still got uh, Brandon Brandon Northern at Silver Creek, and they'll be they'll be good. And then two A, you know you've got Providence and and uh, Clarksville in Class A, you've got 
you know, Borden Christian Academy and New uh, Washington, all those teams. So, you know, it's um, I think it'll be a really, really good season. You know, we, we've still got some, you know, we lost Trey Kaufman, Cooper Jacoby and all those guys, but we've still got some, there's still plenty of talent down here, and that's for sure. Yeah, speaking of uh, Trey Kaufman, I saw a comment from Matt Painter earlier this week where he really has uh, high hopes for Trey Kaufman and also Caleb First, who was Mr. Basketball and battled against Trey numerous times over his career, that they can be very impactful players for the Boilermakers this season. So uh, going to be interesting to see. If, we know Purdue's going to be good, but it's going to be interesting to see if Trey can uh, work his way into a regular contributor and somebody that gets ample minutes for this uh, solid, very good Purdue team that's expected to be at one of the top teams in the Big Ten Conference. Yeah, I've heard he's. Uh, I heard they they wanted him to try to lose some weight so he can get down and play uh, play the three more. So, yeah, they're they should be really good. I mean, they're what pre they'll probably be preseason, maybe top ten, something like that. And they've got you know a lot of talent uh, already there, and Jaden Ivey and uh, and the Williams kids. So, uh, you know, Purdue Purdue could be a really good team. I, I, I know you've talked about IU and Purdue in the Big Ten race so far. So so. I think they'll uh, should be right in there in the thick of the Big Ten and then the top ten as far as that goes. Yeah, absolutely. Josh, final question for you today. Volleyball in this area is always good. The season is slowly beginning to wind down, much like high school football is. Do we have – I know we've got some ranked teams. I know we've got some good college prospects. Do we have a team locally that can compete for a state championship? We've seen so many locals – either reach state championship games or win state titles in recent seasons. What does this year look like? Yeah, I think whoever wins that uh, that 4A sectional, you know, obviously Providence is is, is, the, is the favorite, I guess, at this point because they've beaten all the other teams in it. But, uh, you know, Floyd Central will have played them tough last week, and they'll be right there too. Uh, you know, I uh, wouldn't be surprised to see Providence and Floyd and face off in the the sectional championship game if, if uh, the bracket works out that way but um you know whoever whoever comes out of that sectional i, I think could um, could definitely make some noise and then you know silver creek and 3a as well silver creek uh you know always really good jeff thurman's got another good team this year and uh in fact silver creek and providence play tonight so that'll be a that'll be a good test for uh for both of them maybe a um a little uh, hint of what's to come in the postseason for both of those teams as well Absolutely. Josh Cook, sports editor of the News and Tribune. You can read Josh's coverage daily in the print edition of the paper and online at newsandtribune.com slash sports. Josh, as always, thanks for the insight. We'll talk with you next week. Sounds good, Matt. Thanks so much. And uh, just started raining again, so you know, here it comes again. Yeah, disaster for outdoor fall sports and ADs right now on top of all the COVID stuff. There is a uh, no question about that. Major League Shirt Company, home of the $4 t-shirt. They can help if you're looking to raise money for your team or event. Let Major League Shirt Company's online fan stores work for you. You can outfit fans and raise money with very little effort. Major League even does the sorting. All you've got to do is cash the check. Find out more about Major League Shirt Company at mlshirtco.com. That's mlshirtco.com. That's going to wrap up this Wednesday edition of the program. We'll be back with you Thursday at 11 a.m. with complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. If you ever miss the live show, you can find us as a podcast. Search the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison on Apple Podcast 
or wherever you serve up your podcast. You'll find us there. You can listen on demand, and we're glad to have you with us each and every day as we take you through the IU football season. Hoosier hysteria just around the corner on Saturday, October 2 for IU basketball. We're in the heart of the high school football season, and as I tease with Josh today, we are just ahead of high school basketball here in this area, and you always know how fun it is here in southern Indiana uh, for high school hoops. Jeff will be good. Other teams in this area should be really fun, and I look forward to beginning to preview all of that stuff very soon. Have a great Wednesday. Try to stay dry, and we'll be back with you Thursday. Alex Bozich of Inside the Hall joins the program and more as well. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. <laughs>